0: good question and welcome. We just survived a uh, minor catastrophe, but we're okay. Everyone's (laughs) relatively okay. It's a small deal. By that, I mean we have people here and somebody's computer like fell off their table right as we're about to start. This is a small deal compared to what the world is going through overall. We hope that you are all doing all right. Uh, We're doing our show from home as a sign of the times and we're hoping that we can still create the sphere here of getting into talking about some goodness and truth. And I have a dream team with me to do that here. So everybody, if you want to say hello, introduce yourself. Or hello. no, yourself. Hey. No.
1: Hello,
2: everybody. <laughs> Hi there.
0: You can't even tell whose computer fell, because everyone looks so composed right now. and you know, <laughs> All kinds of like th- theories about who it was and why and all that. And we, look, we look forward to it. So the game is played like this. If you're in the chat, put a question in that you want to hear us talk about, and we'll talk about it. And as we're playing that game, there's another game that we play, which is called help us as a nonprofit do what we do. So if you take the time to go to otle.cosvox.com, the link is in the description, you can make what we're doing possible. We depend on donations like yours. And there's a bonus because if we get up to $100, we will give you 15 extra minutes of this invaluable programming that we're doing here. And you may notice though, this is a special day because not only do we get a reward here, we have been given a $500 matching gift. So every dollar that you guys put in gets matched all the way up to if we raised $500 here, we would end up getting $1,000 toward this programming. So every time you put in a dollar, it goes twice as far. And I want to say right away, you may notice something's already colored in there. Thank you to Francis for starting off with a donation already. This sign says thank you. My daughter made it. She wanted to add I love you at the bottom, but it's true. We do all love you. And that's a heart. So if you feel moved, go to otle.causevox.com, get that rolling and we'll see if we can get that match coming in and hopefully some extra minutes. Or we'll know that, that, um, that people are like, okay, one hour is plenty of what you're going to do. All right, <laughs> let's get to the very first question. Here it is. This is from which of the Wildwood who asks, is there a reason Swedenborg says spirits stay in the world of spirits no longer than 30 years? Is biblical numerology tied into that? And that, that's a very in-the-know question because he, he makes that reference to people staying in the world of spirits, which for those of you who maybe haven't heard of something like that, that is the first state in the afterlife before you are raised up into, uh, by your desire for what's good into the kind of community that's based on altruism and love that we would call heaven, or you go down into a state of selfishness and materialism, which is what we would call hell, depending on what you want to do. But there's this initial phase where you're kind of sorting out, what do I really want to do? And that's called the World of Spirits. So why does he say at one point that no longer than 30 years, what, what does 30 have to do with that? And uh, is it a special number of some kind of significance? So let's see if everybody's on their game today. Karin, do you want to start us off?
3: I think it was last last Good Question show, someone was asking about, like, why does Swedenborg talk about periods of time and also says there is no You know linear time in the afterlife and I was just theorizing that it might might mean just uh, you go through An amount of change that you might Go through in about that many years or in a half an hour or whatever Swedenborg is using to kind of give us an idea of changing states and that's a fascinating question like why might it be No more than 30 years and Jonathan pointed out last time that In another place, he says, really no more than 20 years, which might just mean the process is getting more efficient (laughs) as (laughs) as time goes on. But I remember that when we did the show about um, the meaning of Sodom and Gomorrah, and there was a story of Abraham um, talking with Jehovah, which really represented um, Jesus interacting with his deeper awareness, which is his divine soul. Um, He was asking about, You know differing numbers of people in the city that if there were that many good people Could the city be saved and each number had a meaning and and 40 was temptation but 30 was just Going through um, Some hardships like having to work through some things And that's kind of interesting to me to think about that that the point of being in the world of spirits is to work through your stuff To get uh, you know Get that sorted out so that you can move on, um, you know, towards towards heaven if that is where your your heart is really leaning. And so that's kind of interesting to me to think about that. Maybe that number of thirty years represents that you just need to be there long enough to sort through your stuff. You know, to go through some challenges, um, either <laughs> more serious or less serious, depending on what your issues are that you still need to work through. But just to go through some stuff to get that sorted out and out of the way. So you can move on with more clarity.
4: That's awesome. I, that, uh, it seems just brilliant. And it makes me think also of, um, uh, something you were saying, Karen, in a show when we were working on researching one recently was that, um, you know, Jesus started his ministry when he was 30 years old. And that sort of has to do with, I mean, I might be making a little bit of a, tangent here but like um he was that was the time of his preparation like that's the time it took for him to be fully prepared to then become you know active in his ministry and so uh i don't know if swedenborg spells it out quite that way but it seems like that fits in with that that 30 years is sort of the preparation time like you said getting ready and then being ready to move to the next phase
0: yeah
1: yeah uh, go ahead oh well there are um some interesting biblical tie-ins with the age of being able to do military service, which seems to be related to when Jesus um, took on 30 and other passages, it'll say 25 and stuff like that. But but there's some idea about being ready for that kind of internal or spiritual battle. Mm-hmm. Um, but something I've thought a lot about that seems related to this topic is the people who, because It no longer is correct. It no longer the 30 years. There's some people who go immediately to heaven. Some people go immediately to hell. And that was really interesting to me because, wait a minute, shouldn't we all go through the world of spirits? And after doing a lot of thinking about it, I thought that um, I wonder whether the people who go immediately to heaven went through the equivalent of the world of spirits while they were still here. And so Swedenborg was writing at a time when there was no real field of psychology. People didn't do therapy. You know, I, I wonder if that time is shortening, you know, cause he does talk about people who just take a few weeks or a few months and, you know, get sorted out. It's the, the really tangled cases <laughs> that will take decades, you know, cause they've got good quote unquote therapists up there. And, and uh, I, I think, um, yeah, i I'm, I'm wondering if the time is is shrinking on that as people while they're still here sort of go through some of that and then they're pretty ready once they cross over there's just a couple of dot the i's cross the t's and and off you go or or something so very interesting question
0: i love the idea in the spiritual world of unity of purpose and duration of state so here you can have the two at odds uh, if we just had another hour another week to work on this project we really could have gotten somewhere but there the idea of this period of 30 means the amount you need to get x done so i I think that's a pretty good system hey should we move on to the next one that was great everybody uh thanks for that question if you're just tuning in go ahead and write your questions in the chat we'll grab them and we'll answer them the best we can and feel free to support us otle.causevox.com every donation you make gets a matching double thanks to a generous donor. So your dollar goes twice as far in getting this kind of content to go. This is from Riggle Piglet, who asks, must, and this is an easy one, must God's (laughs) omniscience mean he already knows the choices you're going to make? Or can it mean he is aware of all possible choices at any given time, but your future is unknown until you choose it? Hmm. So which one is it? And it seems like, yeah, is, is this, right? Are we, are we really making it? How much is God knows everything? How much does God know everything? Does God know everything, everything, or, or close to everything? So, well, yeah,
3: But
2: Well, one of the things um, to, that's different than the way we think about it is that God is in all time, apart from time. So uh, the question is phrased in a very temporal way, I mean, like, um, aware of the choices, but until we make it that it's unknown, um, but God's already there. God's already where we have our, have, having had made the choice. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think we can't, it's hard for us to grasp. Of course. I always think of it in a very simplistic way. If I, um offer my two-year-old granddaughter ice cream, she's going to say yes. She's in freedom to say no, but she's going to say yes. I know that. (laughs) Um, And so I figure that God knows us and he he knows what our choices are going to be. But that doesn't mean it's not our choice.
4: That's a great example. That's really funny. I hadn't thought about it that way. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah so just jump in if you, if you got something.
1: Okay, the, the, um, I've thought of it as, I agree with what Cara said, and and I've i thought of it as being, like when you watch old home movies or something, and you've seen them over and over and over again, you know what's going to happen because you've seen the movie, but that doesn't take away any of the freedom of the people who are doing those things. They're still doing crazy random things, and and you're watching the movie. So I, I think it's very important for us. And, and I think God makes absolutely sure that we constantly feel that freedom. You know, it's never sort of like, oh, I mean, what would be more tedious and boring if somebody sort of already knew the whole story? And oh, I know how this one turns out. And, you know, um, <laughs> I, I I it's fun to think of I like to think of God as sort of discovering as, as we go along because so much of what Swedenborg says emphasizes our freedom, our choice, our own sort of appearance of prudence to make our lives work and to change things in ourselves and that kind of thing. Um, so I think that the freedom is absolutely important and we're not gonna be able to shut that software off. It's, it's just running all the time. Uh, but I do I take comfort, especially in a time when the whole world is in this global pandemic and everything, and the idea that God, nothing takes God by surprise, as a friend of mine says, and and I like that idea that he wasn't caught flat-footed <laughs> you know, when, when this pandemic broke out. It, 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 it was known, it, it was foreseen. People, to some extent, were prepared, and things always sort of take you by surprise, but there's still... Resources there and and so on. I don't know but um, very interesting question
3: I I take uh, Yeah, I like this is a fascinating discussion. I I take great comfort in thinking about that God foresees all our choices and therefore provides because um, because God is always taking whatever we choose and working to bend us back towards goodness And so since God foresees what we're going to choose and the mistakes we're going to make and the (laughs) tangents we're going to get off and is therefore always providing a way to try to support us through that and have us learn something through that and try to gently bend us back towards a heavenly direction. And it is totally our choice because God can foresee sometimes that people are going to just reject his love and, and choose hell, but can still try to, um, can still make the efforts to try to keep that from getting as bad as it would be if it was, you know, if God wasn't foreseeing that, um, trying to cushion that in some way and and make it not as bad as we might take it, um, on our own. So I love thinking about all the provisions that because this was going to happen, God just, um, made sure that this person came along at that time or this event happened at that time to kind of wake us up to that or or support us while that was happening and all these um, amazing behind the scene things um, because it was foreseen. And so we choose, but God foresees and provides. Well,
1: and If I could add a little bit to what I said, I, I don't wanna leave it hanging in the air as if God just sort of watches us all suffer and die on ventilators or something, you know, uh, that that's not the way I understand it, but it says in some passage in New Jerusalem um, that uh, uh, there's, there's things he wills and there's things he allows and there's things that he can't prevent because of the nature of the system. So, You know, there's some stuff like, yeah, you'd say, why not go there and just shut off the disease before it started or something like that, you know, but, but there's some stuff that with the laws of order, it's, it's just gonna, and this is not the first, you know, bad thing the human race has been through. But anyway, I just wanted to add that addendum.
0: Yeah, I, I look at that question, must God's omniscience mean he already knows the choices you're going to make, or can it mean he's aware of all possible choices and look at the role of time in there so we're kind of juxtaposing you know freedom with time because if god already knows what you're going to do from for the future that means are you really doing that but time we got to throw time out the window because god we think of god as being conscious right now but god is conscious all time is somehow the same like the past is just as much the present and the future is just as much as present to god which is weird but yet we still very much it's not like god is controlling our choices because there's only really two agents of like there's God who wants things and us who want things, right? And a lot of times God doesn't get what he wants. Like all, all the people who are not getting brought into heaven uh, is is a total going against God's will. So even though somehow God must know what's going to happen because it's already happening to God, that doesn't negate that we are making choices. So I don't know exactly how to picture that, but it's, it's something. And um, that's what I'm going to say about that. Hey, want to say thanks to a few people. I want to say actually, thank you. I love you. And this is to (laughs) Erica, Eric, and Jennifer, who have all contributed. And with their contributions, I hope all of you. Yeah, yeah. Silent Zoom clap. I hope um, <laughs> all of you have done your stretches because we are going an extra 15 minutes at the end of the show.
2: ready? Yeah, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
0: thanks everyone for that vote of confidence. We are actually up to now $115 raised. So, with the match, that's $230 coming in to this program. So, okay, we, we'll uh, get ready for to make those 15 minutes really count. Thanks so much. It really like we're joking around, but it's an honor that you feel like supporting what our programming is something worth doing. Okay. OTLE.cosvox.com for anyone else who wants to try to get us up into that match. Next question. The lack star asks or the lock star asks, why is the number seven used in the Bible so much? Hey, we're talking about numbers. Numbers are we made a show about the meaning of numbers and it is one of our most popular shows. People want to yeah. know this stuff. And the Bible is just really number heavy. So what's going on there? What does it mean? Why is seven is my favorite number, but I think it's a lot of people's favorite numbers. Why? What is What's so cool about seven? Why do you get so much real estate? I'll count to seven. Uh Oh. Oh,
3: (laughs) 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 I'll start. Um, Because uh, the number seven means the completing of a cycle, like the seven days of creation when that whole process was done, which represents the recreation of our minds. From earthly mind into a spiritual mind the number seven means that process has been completed and so it's a it's a holy number because that is what god is trying to do get us through these processes to the completion so where where things will be good (laughs) because that's what the you know heaven is the ultimate completion of our regeneration and so the number seven turns up a lot because it is the symbol of the, the completion of a process
4: Yeah, and I I don't know Uh, I think a part of the why might be that like Uh, I, I mean in terms for swedenborg in terms of what that Sort of spiritual numerology is what he learned in heaven or sent, I guess is that like um, seven is made up of the number four and three if I'm doing my math right <laughs> and, um, four is a symbol of goodness. Cause it has, to, it's a multiple of two and two is this like uniting and love is what unites. <clears throat> so there's this four goodness part. And then the three is more of a truth number. Um, if I'm remembering correctly from things I've read in Swedenborg, and So then it's sort of an ultimate like that of a pairing of love and wisdom together. Um, in a way.
0: Do you guys know Mr. Rogers and 143? I just was, my daughter was just watching Mr. Rogers and there's this thing they do that's 143, which is a code, which is I love four letters, you, three letters. So just you saying the four and three together uh, made me think of that.
4: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. (laughs) Mr. Rogers (laughs) was a man ahead of his time. (laughs) Brilliant.
0: He was working with concepts from Swedenborg. Exactly,
4: yeah. Without knowing it.
0: (laughs) Any other thoughts on seven and its importance in, in why uh, why it's such a useful tool in biblical stories?
1: I, on, I just Ted. agree with what what uh, Karin said um, that uh, it, In the seven days of creation that seventh day is getting to this state of heavenly peace where all the battles and trials and other things are over that we were talking about a little earlier and uh, it's all good. You know, you're in, you're in this heavenly, heavenly state. Um, uh, So I love that idea of that Sabbath or the rest that comes after this, um, these six days of labor, which is going through spiritual struggles and so on. So it is a beautiful idea.
4: Swedenborg does like really emphasizes that seven has this holiness to it. It's a really holy number. And that, so then when, Jesus is talking about seven times seven. That's like super holy. You know, just, I mean, how holy can you get? But, um, duper duper. but yeah, so there's a, a holiness to that number too.
0: Great. Okay. Well, that's a great question. Thanks so much for it. Uh, let's move on to Eric Rockamuck, who asks If people form different communities in heaven based on shared chief loves, would the variety of uses people are capable of? In each group, be limited. Okay, so that's cool. I mean, we're we're getting deep into these ideas. The I'll just give a quick catch up in case people are new. Sweetmorg says, afterlife, what you care about, your what you love, your priority is kind of like gravity. It pulls you together with other bodies that are of of like mind. So you have these communities that form around a shared chief love. So if everybody's kind of got the same thing they're into, does that lack of sort of love diversity make it more difficult to to do a bunch of things constructively as a community. Jonathan, what do you think?
1: Well, I, I love these. These these questions are really, really deep, and they show a knowledge and understanding that's really cool to see. And um, part of what I find so beautiful about Swedenborg's idea of heaven is this kind of holographic or fractal nature of it, that on large and small scales, it's the same uh, or similar even down to an individual, even Swedenborg says down to the individual's thoughts and feelings. In some sense, each of your feelings is almost like a separate person. Uh, each of your thoughts, I mean, it's, it's an amazing thought. So the scale goes wild in either direction. And so he talks about the fact that in communities of heaven, the Lord arranges it, who knows how, so that in every single community of heaven, no matter how large or small, there's always an inside there's always an outside, there's always a north, there's always a south, there's always an east, there's always a west. So there, if you look at just that community, it is like a whole heaven, it's not narrow. And I see this so much in things in our world, when you look at a business, don't don't businesses, you've got creative people, you've got salespeople, you got people who are doing the nuts and bolts and taking care of legalities. and And just to get one thing done, just to make a widget, you have to have one of everybody, you know, mm. uh, it, it's kind of amazing. And so I think, uh, I think there's still room for a lot of variety, even if you have that shared love of like, Oh, we all want to get this widget out there, the spiritual widget, but, uh, you know, <laughs> um, uh, but there's a great variety needed to get that done.
4: I like what you're making me say, or what you're saying is making me think of how a similar question we've gotten is like, can, you know how each individual can grow to eternity in love and wisdom. Swedenborg says, like, there's just infinite possibility of growth, and yet we're still yourself. Like you're never, you know, you're there's this infinite possibility of growth within the unique person that you are, and and so that seems like there's that mind-bending dynamic happening in communities too, where there's this infinite potential for growth and variety, and yet they're something this. The widget company. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll have to brand that. Something about <laughs> celestial widgets or something. That's
0: it. That's yeah. right. The logo is going to be easy. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I just was thinking the same thing that Jonathan was expressing that, well, I'll add in there that Swedenborg says, okay, the entire heaven is organized like a human body. And so you've got a heart, you've got a pancreas, you've got a liver and they're all forming this, um, uh, performing this use together. But then every community is also a complete human. So within that little, within that community, there's the heart people and the liver people and the brain people, you know, and just like Jonathan was saying, uh, you know, if I think of like, the production of a movie, you there it's not all creative actors, it's it's also the accountants and also the cleanup people and also you know and the writers and the you know, it's just needs so many different kinds of people. And so you need a tremendous variety to get any one sort of bigger mission done. And uh that isn't that one of the big things Swedenborg keeps saying, is like a whole, so a whole uh purpose. Has to be made up of lots of variety, lots of different pieces that make that one thing.
0: <laughs> yeah. And you see, you see this in the way that life is organized that you even down to a cell, you can't have any unit of life without a cell it has it's like its own little skin and it has its mm. own little organelles in there. So, yeah, it's got to be that while unity of love, maybe all the, the different parts have the same love, doesn't mean you have the same wisdom or the same mind or the same way that you're pursuing it. I wanna say thank you, I wanna say thank you and I love you to three people, Debbie Joe. thank you, we love you. Elizabeth and Paula, thanks to all. With, with your gifts, you've done two things. We've gotten up to $193, which is the, with the match is 387 going to our programming. You also got to the end of this marker, so I've had to put this marker in. If you wanna know what your money's going towards, i uh, just kidding, my, my daughter donated those markers. Um, so thank you so much. If you're if you're just showing up, otle.cosvox.com is how you can donate. We have a match, so every dollar goes twice as far today. And get in the chat, ask us questions, and we'll take a look at them. Our next question is M. Tarquini, who asks, we get to do what we like in heaven, right? What if we like to clean? Or is everything always clean in heaven? What about growing vegetables? Yeah. What do you do if it seems like you know, that the automation of heaven has made your job obsolete? Are there functions <laughs> that, that answer to all this stuff? And I think we could have a cool discussion about correspondences and, and sort of the, how the joys of one can transfer to another. Do yeah. anyone have thoughts on what What if I love to grow vegetables in heaven?
4: Well, I don't, I don't have an answer right now, but I will just say that I was just having this conversation with my oldest daughter this morning because she's like, mom heaven sounds boring I mean like you know just the, like what if the I want I want for I want there to be you know like you know caught like interest, like things to have to protect or like struggles and you know she just has this appreciation for like you know what's life without the all those things that make it interesting like and so it just reminds me of this of, like needing to clean you know if you don't have messes you know then how do we whatever, clean up. So I'll be, I'll be taking any of our responses back to her to
0: report. <laughs> well, you first, you could tell her like, wait a second, kids think that earth is boring too. So.
4: Sorry. eternally the same. <laughs>
1: uh, so, yeah. Go ahead. Well, uh, I just, um, uh, there's a story that Swedenborg tells about seeing a particular area of the spiritual world and when he first looks it's just wild crazy scrub land not orderly not beautiful or anything and then he sees it being cultivated and he sees uh things being planted you know the lands being cleared and then he sees things being planted so i don't know quite what's going on there but it seems like there would be a lot of work and transformation going on um there so i think there's a lot of cleaning and organizing and isn't it true that it's um it really lasts for forever the only things i can think of you can't do in the other world is undertakers and latinists um you know there's there's no no need for language skills but as curtis hinted oh, when you go to the other world you um know uh your delights turn into corresponding things you know so if you love flowers or you know you love my grandmother used to say her her ruling love was making brownies. You know, she didn't know what she'd be doing in, in heaven. But I imagine there's something like making brownies that, uh, you know, that corresponding thing of giving people delight and joy and things like that would, would be there.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I'm with M. Tarkini. Just today I was considering starting a new business of just going around doing people's dishes and laundry, which is my favorite thing to do but they, it occurs to me, they both have to do with water. And, um, yeah, you know, water is truth and, and truth and things up in the other world. Seems like that would be, uh, always applicable. Um, and it reminds me too of the thought that, uh, the angels do experience evening states so that, you know, it, if they are feeling a little more distant from the Lord or however, you know, they go through these states of not quite so um, alive and bright, I guess. Um, and maybe it's something similar like that. I don't know about the cleaning thing is that things get uh, sullied up a little or um, you get a little less clear about things. And so washing some windows would do some good or something like that. <laughs> Just yeah. guessing. But I'll be with you, M. Tarkini cleaning
0: up. That's right. Well, I know Swedenborg talked about, if we think about the things we love to do, like you're talking about, I love getting the dishes done, get, getting things cleaned up. Think about the joy people feel in gardening and every joy, every good joy that we feel is actually where we're sharing in a joy with angels who are enjoying mm-hmm. the corresponding thing. At the same time, Swedenborg talked about good spirits dwelling in the affection of gardening. So whatever that Spiritual world equivalent to it is we already when we do the thing on earth that we love we're already Interacting we're already feeling that a little bit. So I imagine whatever the transition is. It's uh It's it's one that makes total sense. It's like oh, I am doing this thing which may well Involve the same actions because Swedenborg talks about spirits doing things like chopping wood or things that actions that that seem like Regular physical actions that correspond to what's going on inside of them. So current. Yeah, did you have something?
3: Yeah, I agree. There's no doubt that, that that love will be completely satisfied. And I I think it makes total sense that there would be manifesting actions that just would feel even more satisfying than what we can do on earth. And part of you know, the heaven is organized as a, the functions of the human body. So many parts of the body are to clean, <laughs> you know, are to just keep purifying things. And so I think there would be a constant need in the heavens because it's all connected. Remember, it's not just angels way up here all by themselves. They are affecting all the lower levels and the lower levels are affecting them. And so there would be constant need for cleaning of this truth that's coming down from God and, uh, helping it not get too dirty as it goes down through the, uh, lower levels um, and uh, I think there would be lots of ways that um, cleaning and purifying would be a very big part of heaven mm. <laughs> and so um, probably in in actions that we would be very familiar with and actions that we could never imagine but will be just so cool <laughs> and so satisfying. Yeah. And
1: Fork and saw a lot of crazy beautiful gardens in the other world, You know, so I think there's a lot of gardening that goes on and even on the title page of some of his books he has this little motto with an angel who's gardening and it says with care and work and so i think that work is and care is still going on you know in the other world that's still needed
3: yeah i
4: was just gonna say that like i think um, you know even though angels are in a perception about how the lord is providing everything for them there's still you know, the Lord protects our sense of self to such a degree that we always feel like we are doing things of ourselves because that's part of the whole joy equation. And so, and yet that perception of the life coming in from the Lord, and yet we get to live as of ourselves. And um, so I just think angels, you know, the, the satisfaction of digging, digging in the dirt is like, there's going to be that as of self experience of like, I'm doing this job, you know, and it's
3: getting work done.
4: Um, yeah.
3: Yeah. I, I think it would be, I mean, to me, it would be the the best case scenario where, you know, the Lord is doing the work. So it's not quite like on earth, like if I don't clean my house, it's just going to get dirty or dirty or, you know, like I can participate knowing the Lord's doing it all the time. You know what I mean? Like, um, it's not the same kind of, um, Grunge pressure, but it's just like engaging for the pure joy of it, being allowed to participate in it. And I'm remembering this story that we had in I think the Eight Strange Places in the Afterlife show about um, spirits or angels that were loving building cities to give them away. Yeah, and in in heaven, cities can just be built by the Lord. But these um, these spirits were allowed to somehow have this joy of actually. Participating in building those cities and then giving them to people (laughs) So there'll be so much to do and enjoy
2: And i'm thinking too that uh, um, uh, what does she say growing growing vegetables? Yeah, that um If growth is an eternal part of the picture for all of us there That there's certainly going to be a manifestation of that in our surroundings and so growing vegetables growing flowers growing Trees growing things are going to be all over the place Yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah, and thinking about the the sort of is there is there real need for things? Is there the kind of drama that makes life interesting? And I just think about the principle that there's tons of joy in heaven heaven is full of joy But the only joy in heaven is the joy of usefulness Or that's the joy that all it's all based around. so you can't just say oh we're, we're gonna be doing something that doesn't really mean anything, but it counts as really useful. Like it has to be doing something really meaningful. So we're cleaning, but that cleaning is like having, an, as we're saying, an impact on the minds of people on earth, the minds of people, all, all that are above and below and all kinds of, we're, that's really reaching in and doing some real help. That's why it's joyful. So there's gotta be that heaven is only really fun because you're really making a difference to, to people. So let's uh, let's move on. This is uh, the next question. Is from Michael M Mukitash, who asks if a deceased family member is still in the world of spirits, can they see us on Earth? My youngest sister passed at 27 in a car accident. Mm -hmm. So sorry for your loss. Uh, And yeah, what do you? I mean, that that just brings up this. Of course, we're, we're we're wondering that when when we have this bond of love. Cut off by something like that. So, w- what do you think? I mean, we know that people are are still there, but but are are they aware of us? Can they can they know that we're here, or do they know what we're going through?
3: I've talked about this with people, and the the place I start is that Swedenborg says people in the afterlife absolutely can receive our thoughts and feelings, and so. Um, I, I think they're, I'm um, getting ahead of myself because I think way back when, earliest church times, when original uh, human race state where there was open communication between the worlds, it did seem like they can easily see each other or you know, what's going on. Because their states of mind were so close to each other and that kind of got uh, blocked off and and uh, so we, we got some separation there. but. When our minds are joined in thoughts and feelings, um, maybe they can't, like he was saying, um, spiritual people can't see physical things, but what I'm looking at around me is in my mind. You know what, like, (laughs) and so there, I, what I pick up is there's, there'd be imagery in my mind of what's going on with me that I think Your loved ones or your the spirits around you could be experiencing in some way seeing or hearing Um, there's even that Passage we did a you did a news from heaven about um, angels audibly hearing people's thoughts sometimes So I think though It's not a so much a physical seeing at this point in human history um, It I I do feel like Absolutely, your loved ones can be aware of you and um, possibly seeing you, either your spiritual body or seeing what's going on in your mind, definitely receiving your thoughts and feelings. So, um, I have no doubt there is plenty of awareness between the worlds, uh, particularly on their side. It's harder for us to pick up on this side uh, with our (laughs) physical brains in the way and everything, but um, I have no doubt there's a lot of awareness on that side of our loved ones, for us. <laughs> That's true, and I know, oh, I,
4: I know that some people, um, like their experience of deceased loved ones often happens in dreams, you know, like you often have a visitation in a dream, and so that kind of is this sense of that state of mind shift that can happen, so your, your outer self, worldly consciousness is kind of dulled so that you're more awake to the your spiritual Mm -hmm. context and um and so again that's sort of like the the that's because of our state so I love I mean I love for myself thinking of deceased loved ones that they they know us you know I also know from people that it's like loved ones often show up in dreams sometimes when you really are needing a little bit of help or a little bit of encouragement like often like that it shows up and gives you a sense of you know, support and love and all that sort of stuff. And so um, like uh, through Providence, you know, like, so I don't know what the pathways are exactly, but those loved ones get a sense of knowing when they can give us a little bit of extra support or, you know, whatever. I feel like there's got, there's ways that there's a communication going on, even if the details of the, you know, whatever the circumstances are, I don't know maybe how that translates, but
1: yeah, thought I have is that um, we're spirits already, Swedenborg says, such a mind-boggling idea. We're spirits who are living in the physical world. And so uh, unless our s- s- spiritual senses are active, and a lot of times they aren't, and for some people more so than others, uh, we're not sensing that spiritual around world around us all the time, or we don't know... That this feeling or, or that other thing is connecting but um Swedenborg says the way it works in the spiritual world is that thought brings presence and love brings conjunction or partnership and uh when i first heard that i, I didn't know what to think of that but the more i think about it wow that's really beautiful because that means every time you think of that person there is a presence that, that it, you wouldn't in a sense be having that thought Uh, Like thought brings presence, so your spirit and her spirit. I also want to say how devastating it must be to lose your younger sister in a car accident, like no warning, bang! You know, just what a terrible thing to have to go through. So of course you wonder how she's doing and and feel out of touch and everything. And so um, it's nice to think that when you just think of her, even though you may think I'm just thinking of her, you know, but that's. A connection of a kind and love is a is a is a partnership you're you're joined together in some way so um that's a comfort even though it's sometimes kind of a cold comfort compared to actually being able to be with somebody
0: right and i I think about yeah that quote you're saying thought brings presence and love brings union so that love that you had is an actual connection we're looking for in that question the visual connection Can, can they see us but there's other ways that that there's a very real interaction with that person, uh, and I think you know as we're talking before about what are the uses, what are the cleaning. I mean, part, it's got to be that that because it's something so many people are wondering about and hurting about. This is part of the kinds of problems heaven is trying to solve. Like how do we get, how do we let as much contact as can happen and as much communication as there can be, you know, or make them as aware of uh, the people that they need, that they love as they can be. So. They're working hard on it, you know, even if we'd, we'd all love it to be moved a little bit further forward. Yeah, Karin, did you have something?
3: Just wanted to say to Michael that uh, my, after my daughter died, I have a sister-in-law who was able to kind of see some visions of her and a beautiful thing was that um, she saw that my daughter was um, allowed to be part of helping me to heal. And so I, I just thought that was such a a beautiful thing. It was very comforting that, you know, I knew the Lord was working with me over time to, to heal my heart and to think of her being involved in that process was really beautiful. So, mm. I think, um, that would be part of it, you know, people you love on the other side, and, uh, they can be, you know, part of helping you along as well, as well as them starting into whatever next phase they're working on. So I think there's very strong connections through love and through thought.
0: Beautiful and thanks Michael for being willing to share that with us here on the on the program so let's uh, let's move on to the next question. Uh, it's going to be from Claire Mulligan but before we do that I want to say thank you and a thank you to Loretta uh, with your gift now we've raised 246 dollars so with the match that's 492. So we have 500 yeah, more potential match tonight. So anyone who's just joining us, go to otle.cosvox.com. You, your contribution here supports all the programming that we do. And if you're, if you're new here, get in the chat, ask questions, as Claire Mulligan did. And she, said, she asks, how many inner selves? And you, you, wanted, you guys wanted Swedenborg-specific questions where people are <laughs> already deep in the material. Here you go. Let's see what you know. How many inner selves do we have? At first, I thought there was only one self, but in the book *Regeneration*, which is a Swedenborg Foundation, uh, you know, compilation of, of Swedenborg, Swedenborg says there is an inner earthly self. So you're just making stuff up. Uh, how are you know, <laughs> what's going on in there?
1: I contain legions. What's going on? Oh. I, I, think, I think Swedenborg wanted to take it easy on us because. Um, uh, it is actually so crazy complex in there. Um, uh, so he just often just sort of like, well, there's there's one thing, don't worry about it, you know. Um, <laughs> but there are a lot of levels. There's that beautiful passage, I think it's Secrets of Heaven 1954, that talks about Hagar says, You are a God who sees me. And Swedenborg talks about how you have this level, you got this level of your mind that can see what's going on in your body, and then you've got a higher level of your mind that allows you to see what's going on in your lower part of your mind. And then there's an even higher part, and then an even higher part, and even higher, you know, I think you get to about seven levels before you're done. And ultimately, it's just that God actually is the source of all sight and all these different levels just get that sight from there. Um, so I think there's a lot of, a lot of complexity to it actually and and uh we would be surprised if we could see it but you do see that a little bit don't you where you where you can say to yourself what am i saying wait a minute you know that you can question yourself or, or something you know, like there's more than one layer in there and sometimes have it gets many really times
0: i've done that already yes
1: <laughs> <laughs> what am i doing yeah that's right and it's a great question yeah i th- t- we
3: did a show maybe it was the show the keywords show about the inner and outer self but i remember it's talking about like okay there's one sense of an inner self that's simply like not our physical body but just our self beyond this physical body but that can turn hellish so that's not the deepest level because actually even if we turn hellish there's this there's a deepest sense that is incorruptible A deepest self that is incorruptible, that is just totally connected with God. And it's just a matter of uh, like peeling back these layers of selves (laughs) until we get to the most true self, which is the deepest thing. But there are these layers, which I think would probably relate to sort of a world of spirits level of inner self, which could go either way, heavenly or hellish. And then there could be a a lowest heaven sort of level of ourself that we can peel back to a spiritual heaven, you know, second or all the way to the highest heaven. So I think we are, like Jonathan was saying, um, very complex, created to be very complex in these layers. And we can choose how far to go, peeling back those layers um, to get to the more and more true inner self.
0: There's a story that Swedenborg tells where there is what you'd call an evil spirit. So if you think we have bodies, but within that, we can be looking friendly, but thinking nefariously uh, and, and looking to take advantage of people. But when you, your body dies, that self gets shed. You're in the afterlife and you've got sort of your inner and outer self there. But you go through this process that we mentioned in the world of spirits where you really become, you start to embody what you really love. So then you're in your inner self and that either gravitates itself to hell or heaven. So this was somebody who was in hell. But then he's talking about this person having this little child-like self, flow out of it so for a second this little kid like a little baby like thing popped out and this was that person's like inner innocent core that was actually good um but was like covered over by all this stuff so it does seem like there's a lot of layers and come on it would like look at the body if you're trying to explain what is it well it's a you have one body no you don't you've got all these different systems and there's just a million ways you can you know take take cross sections of it and and look into it so the spiritual side is is complex as well We'll
4: yeah i guess yeah oh just that like you know inner is a sort of relative word anyway so there's always an inner self (laughs) and just to sort of blow the top off the whole thing there's at least one place in Swedenborg where he just says the inner self is the lord but of course like you have to take that you know within the context of understanding that you know what our sense of self is and how the lord is connected to that but so like there's even this access point in you to just the lord you know and that's. Even that is your inner self that, you know, so it just, it it just um, conveys this sense of like ever deepening refuge within yourself, you know, and, and safety for, uh, you know, for people and that. So it's a cool, cool thing to think about. And boy, does Swedenborg just talk about it in so many different ways. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Thank, Thank you, Claire, for giving us that cool thing to think about. Our next question is from Mia Rivel who asks, have we already dealt with time. Let's just go for space here. You know, where, (laughs) where is a spirit world? Is this entire alternate universe within ourselves? Like how do you find depths within as found in meditation or is it out there around us everywhere? We're going on and on about how it's a physical world and a spiritual world. Where, I mean, are they just like plunked on top of each other or is, yeah, are we the containers for this world? Is it, is it inside or is it out there?
3: I was recently thinking about how, because I I believe the answer is within, like the, the deeper we go, we are on the most, our earthly consciousness is on the outermost level, like the physical layer is the outermost shell of reality. And so to get deeper, we go inward, but I think I was wondering if maybe because we are in the... Earthly realm, and we kind of have things upside down. We think that gets smaller, but actually it gets (laughs) bigger. And maybe we can see that in the sense of that if you just look smaller and smaller under a microscope, there's just more and more and more and more. (laughs) And it doesn't actually get small. I mean, there doesn't get to be less things. There actually gets to be more things. So somehow it is within but it gets to be more and more expansive, which is hard breast to fathom from an earthly perspective.
4: That's true. And I guess one, one thought that just comes to mind in response to that is the way that the world, the created universe reflects that reality and is there to support our inner learning of spiritual realities. And so that like part of that being able to think of it as out there and around us and everywhere gives us this reflection of how expansive it is within us, you know? So like that sense of sometimes just picturing, wow, there's just this universal expansiveness. And so there is that, you know, that the, the Lord's presence is everywhere in that. And yet that is a reflection of that expansiveness within us through the spiritual world. Um,
3: yeah, that's a good point, That that's a way maybe we can fathom the expansiveness of God from our earthly perspective is just this hugeness around us. But really it's like um, God's presence within every of those physical molecules. So that can be just within the, the cells in our own heart, <laughs> as well as the, the planets and the stars and everything that it's always within whatever we uh, perceive in this physical level. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Curtis. Oh, go ahead. No, Cara, your
2: turn. Just uh, Curtis is always talking about how heaven is a state of mind, um, which I think of as inside. But Swedenborg is talking about how we're already in the spiritual world, which I think of as us being in and the spiritual world being around us. So it's one of those, um, again, to that holographic thing where it's all sort of inside out and. (laughs) <laughs> all, all around. It's hard to talk about those space things in spiritual terms.
0: Well, to simplify it all, Swedenborg says that spiritually deeper is the same thing as higher. <laughs> so that's true. So I don't. The answer is I don't know. It's both. You know, he you can talk about the heavens being higher than each other, or you can talk about them being deeper than each other. You can talk about God being within and God being in the spiritual sun. And the answer is yes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and in Swedenborg's time, um, so many people thought that um, uh, angels, the afterlife, whatever that vague thing was, was up in the physical sky, and people referred to it as the heavens. So they thought maybe the angels are in the stars or something, and you go up there, you know, after you die or something. And and so one of the things that he was uh, taking pains to communicate was that it's a separate. Universe, you know, there's there's two separate universes, but when you dig into it a little more, so and one of them is spiritual and the other one's physical kind of idea, uh, which is hard to understand. But um, basically, spiritual meaning run by thoughts and feelings and that kind of thing that that generates the laws there. But he also says that the only way this world is able to work, the physical world that we're in right now, is because there's a complete replica of the physical world in the spiritual world that helps sort of run the whole thing and keep the two in sync or something. But the other world has a lot more in it than this world has. And so that sort of means it's kind of everywhere. And another friend of mine says that it kind of interpenetrates the the physical world, even though it's distinct from it. And um, uh, But you can see from mental experiments, the Swedenborg suggests, if you think of a friend you know, who's on the other side of the planet, you know, you have a friend in New Zealand or, or, or somewhere. Uh, you can think about them. It doesn't take a long time for your mind to get over there and think about the person. You can think about them instantly. And that's sort of spiritual space. So that's separate or saying, you know, I have a lot of love for you. So somebody says, well, how much, like 55 pounds, 75 pounds, you know, <laughs> well, no, it doesn't work like that. You know, love is not the same as as physical substance in, in that way. Um, so it's a very, very interesting, useful question. Thanks. Uh,
3: one last thought is one way I can guess sense, uh, just a small idea of it is think about a simple gesture that you do for someone. And within that is your whole relationship, you know? So that's just so much more expansive. <laughs> you know, you get a gift or do a little something for somebody because of this big love you have for them and your whole uh, you know, relationship and your past and everything—it's all within this one little <laughs> outer gesture.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's cool. I mean, you heard a couple of people say that's fun. Thanks for that fun question. We 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 really enjoy getting to to think through this kind of stuff. So thank you, everyone, for providing that. And I got to do my last little scribble there. I want to say a little bit of thank yous <laughs> to <laughs> Sheila. Donna, we're all clapping. I don't know if you can see all of us right now. We're all clapping. And Gwen.
4: Thank and you. We love you.
0: Together, we <laughs> are now at $430 rating. Oh, my God. Whoa. Which Crazy. Which means, if you're just tuning in now, we have a $500 match. As someone has said, if you guys can raise $500 tonight, we'll give you up to $500 matching. So we've got $860 total dollars coming in to support this programming. Uh, by that, I mean all of Off the Left Eyes programming. So uh, we're about to go into our extra time because since, since we got to $100, we said we'd give 15 minutes of extra chit-chatting on the show. So if we can you know, get, get 70 more before the end of that, and we'll have maxed out our gift. It's gonna be awesome either way. But if you're thinking about it, um, we really do appreciate it. Actually, dur- you know, during the the COVID whole pandemic, YouTube has been recommending our videos to people actually more than they ever were before, and we're getting a lot of commentary that this is what's helping keep people in in the frame of mind where they can you know look on the bright side. So thank you everyone who's helping to make that possible. Go to otle.cosvox.com if you want to be part of help helping us get to right up to that end of the goal there. Okay. Now we have a question, which I know we've been doing some research around this kind of stuff because we've got a show coming up not too long from now about it. This is from Eternal Spring, who asks, is a, if a husband or wife dies and leaves the world of spirits for heaven, does he or she return to meet and or live with their married partner in the world of spirits? Didn't we open this show by saying that people can be in this state called the world of spirits for like the equivalent of 30 years-ish? And Swedenborg talks about the idea that uh, if you love somebody, you love your spouse, and they move on. The two of you can be eternal soulmate partners, right? And you can have a relationship that grows forever. However, 30 years is a long time if one of you is sitting in the world of spirits and the other one's already gotten out of it. <laughs> how, how does that work? Are, are you guys get to see each other? Can you write letters? You know, do, 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 or do you like, oh, I'm in heaven, but now I got to go back. My husband just got up here, so I got to hang out with him for 30 years. What, what happens there? <laughs>
1: I think you do go back to the to the world of spirits just because Swedenborg describes it that way. Sometimes that that um, like because thought brings presence and love brings conjunction. When you pass on, and you immediately when you realize you're in another world, just like well, hey, is so and so here? Is so and so here? You know, can I see this person? Can I see that person? And uh, because when people, it's a strange thing to throw in at this late hour, but, but uh, Swedenborg sounds like the transformation as people are turning into angels can be so profound that they don't have the same name, they don't look the same, they don't dress the same, and so on. And so I think it's important that that love brings them back into that state where you recognize them, you know, where, where you know, oh, this is, this, is the, this is my loved one. And then after a time, maybe you start to see what, what they've transformed into, and maybe you're transforming too but i do tend to think that and really at almost any time you know Swedenborg talks about hanging out with people who had died you know thousands of years ago you know cicero and people from ancient roman times and i think they you know they would get uh brought back i think it's a state you can always go back to it's not like they won't let you back into the world of spirits uh so that you can connect with people because it's all about the connection the lord's not trying to put roadblocks and barriers in the way of all that and so i think you would and and isn't that true don't we experience that friends like when you see a a friend from childhood or high school or something like that don't you go right back into that state and start laughing the way you used to and thinking about what went on and i think it's going to be just like that i think we already know a little bit of, of that state
0: yeah and i i think it's a great point i've definitely felt that very distinctly when I my group of friends that I was really good friends with in elementary school, like you feel that energy come back. I would say you don't gotta worry about saying this sounds strange. If anyone has tolerated an hour plus of this stuff, <laughs> we've we weeded everyone out. It's just the, the people who have a high strange tolerance who are left in our audience. And are, you're such an awesome group because uh, many reasons, but among them we want to extend a thank you. Michael with his contribution has put us up over the top. Up to 535 dollars raised, so that oh. means all of the matching gift will match. Thank you, everyone. We're going to be crazy. Busy. It's a great honor, and we're going to be putting that as efficiently as we possibly can into making the kind of programming that inspired you all in the first place, and making sure the next person sees that and and finds something good in it. So let's uh, let's do another. Unless did anyone? Oh wait, want no. Yeah, Karen has. Okay.
4: Karen had a thought. I had another thought, but yeah. Go ahead, Karen.
3: I think you're muted, though.
0: <laughs> and that's all we have to say about it? <laughs>
3: yeah, I, I remember reading something from Swedenborg that indicated as you um, evolve in the spiritual world and you move up in levels, you don't lose those lower levels. They might become quiescent while you don't need them, but you can return to them. Now, p- people who haven't evolved up can't just barge up into a higher level, but anyone in a higher level can absolutely revisit lower levels and and come down because that's still a part of them. Just like you're describing with that
2: Mm.
3: relationship from (laughs) elementary school or whatever, that's still a part of you. So I, I feel that it would be no problem for a friend or a spouse or anyone to just come right back to where the friend or spouse that has just arrived is and just hang out there because that level is still a part of them.
4: Yeah. And the, I was thinking of this in terms of some like technical terms and different experiences that Swedenborg describes, um, where like, so I think, I think like, yeah, the message is clear that, uh, they, you meet for sure. And there's a lot of variety in what that could look like, like in terms of things that Swedenborg witnessed. So I think in, in all cases, it's going to be what works best for that couple. And, um, but he describes people moving from like like the 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 future husband and future wife living in separate places and sort of trading like going from one spending some time in one house locale, and then moving to this other house, locale before they move to this third place that is theirs together. like your your home in heaven and in the spiritual world is always going to reflect your state of mind. So the house itself can be changing, but the location can be changing. He describes um, couples where they live within the same city but some are in uh sort of in some house more towards the center of the city and the other one's living more towards the outside of the city but they are married and they're connected and working on their relationship and it's with this idea that they're going to eventually move in together and and have their spiritual home together somewhere so like there's a lot of of possibility and it's going to feel like you're getting the right space and the right opportunities you know to you know be connected and know that you're with each other even though you know whatever the circumstances might be
3: yeah come
0: was- on Nicholas Sparks can write a book about that like <laughs> <the waiting area.
3: laughs> so many good
0: yeah so many good novels
3: yeah of, of many uh, earthly stories in which couples just have this journey where they might be Married and then apart for a while and then they get back together. And, you know, just, uh, there's just so many unique and different stories of the, the journey of a relationship. And like Chelsea says, whatever is right, feels right and is right will happen.
0: All right, let's, uh, let's see if we can get another couple of questions in here in the last 10 minutes. Uh, this is Erica from Massachusetts who asks, when do we meet God after we die? Even if the will to want to meet him is there. How come he doesn't just appear right away? Why does he make us wait? Which is just great. Like overall, I feel like life is pretty lacking in the meeting God thing. I I would love <laughs> for it to happen early and often, but you, you can learn about God and you can feel good effects from God. But yeah, what about, what about meeting God? What do you guys think?
1: I, I tend to think that, um, the way Swedenborg describes it is you see these highest celestial angels first. Well, the way he describes it, these celestial angels, especially when they're doing their thing that they're made to do, that they love to do, they're so filled with the presence of the Lord. They don't even realize they're not the Lord, you know, and the way people describe it in near death experiences, where you see the light uh, and and you have this kind of interview with this being of light and unbelievable, unconditional love. I, I think that's the presence of the Lord. I think in a way we do get met by the Lord right at that hour of death. I've heard some interesting stories um of, of people who just suddenly out of terrible sickness and they're lying on their deathbed and suddenly they they look up and they look terribly excited. You know, what are they seeing? I I think they're seeing the presence of God, you know, something's touching them. They're they're seeing something. And um so it didn't Steve Jobs say, oh, wow, oh, wow, wow, or something like that, like three times over as he was dying. Um, who knows? But uh, I tend to think, to, it says in the scriptures, to be absent from the body is to be present with God. And so I think, like, as soon as we transition, boom, there's that presence. I think the way you reconcile that near-death experience with what Swedenborg says on that point is that if those celestial angels are getting to participate in that because the lord is not selfish he always wants to share his fun with other people so why don't you play me this time and you know that'll be fun for us all you know (laughs) yeah
3: i i think like jonathan's indicating god is present right away i mean is actually present all the time right here on earth too and would be present right away as you're crossing over into the afterlife, but it's, it's on our end, whether we recognize the presence or not, because I think we all have a lot of preconceived ideas about what it, what it would look like if God were there, <laughs> but then, Oh, I'm thinking of, a I think it was returned from tomorrow. Uh, the near death experience story where, um, he did have a near death experience and he met Jesus and had this wonderful encounter with Jesus. And then he was back on earth in earthly life. He just met a really kind person and, and was interacting with the person and just say, this person reminds me of someone, reminds me of someone. And he realized it was Jesus. It was like Jesus right here in this person. So I think if we just learn to recognize that anytime there's love or kindness or anything beautiful or anything true, that's the Lord right there. And then I think our eyes will be more open to just like whoa recognize that and and not There's no weight at all if we can just learn to recognize it
0: Yeah, and it makes me think of The story we were just talking about where there's a couple who has been separated By death right and then one's moved on but one is then coming up and they're, they're back together and they're moving apart but it's it's all this big love story of them getting together for this eternity It that's that's us and the lord as well i mean that that this this whole yeah we were separated from god by this whole you know imperfect situation we find ourselves in by the, the human race as a whole coming into these conditions that create this separateness but the whole story is the lord reaching out to us and, and us kind of we're moving around but the future is i don't know at some point we're going to be together like crazy like like all the time that there's that same kind of pursuit in there. Um, so I think that's cool. So uh, I want to say thanks. I want to say uh, thank you and we love you to T-Ray. With that, we now have $587. Ooh,
1: raised. Well, But we've
0: even got the 500 matching to go on top of that. So thank you all so much for an awesome mm-hmm. night. And hey, let's do another question at least. This is from... William McClintock who asks does Swedenborg believe Jesus will return to earth is Jesus coming back what's happening with that what uh, there's a lot of people they're looking for that um, what's what what's gonna take place
1: i I, I, would, I, I would say yes and no uh, uh, not walking around in a physical body he already did that uh he he had a body and then he was resurrected. There's no way to sort of undo that process. You can't turn the pickle back into a cucumber. It, it's, it's just, it's done. Um, so he's not going to be coming back in the physical flesh, but he's going to come in the clouds of heaven, which mean the, the pages of scripture in a greater understanding. And so the very thing Karin was just talking about where you realize, wait, I know you, you know, that's Jesus right in front of me there. Uh, there's going to be like millions, million, millions of, of different people who are filled with the, with, with the presence of the Lord. And that's going to be huge. That's going to be huge for our earth. So uh, yet yeah, Yes. And no.
4: Yeah. I like that point too, because just tying it back to the other question that happened just before that, that, you know, the presence of the Lord is always there and it's a matter of our perception. We're either just, you know, if we're looking down at the ground, we're not aware of what's happening in the sky but we know it's still there, you know? So there's this uh, perception shift. And, um, and so Jesus as a physical person, like you're saying, isn't coming back. I love the pickle thing. And then, but <laughs> <laughs> there's that opportunity for a perception of the presence of the Lord that is around us all the time that could be even more awakened.
3: Yeah, I, I think Jesus is coming back to earth one person at a time. No, like through the hearts of one person at a time, and then when it is everybody, then he's totally back. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, nice. awesome.
2: I think of the I think of the uh, Trinity, the Trinity that um, the Jesus came to Earth once, as John has Jonathan said, but his the Holy Spirit is his continuing to come. So God the Father, God Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is is that his coming to earth continuously with all of us.
4: Yeah, and I love the, you know, where it says, um, I guess it's Paul that says like we are all parts of the body of Christ. Uh, and now that's like a very familiar idea. But so in that respect, that earth becoming is, you know, all of us playing that part.
3: Yeah. Is it is it Mother Teresa that said Christ no, who said Christ has no body now but yours? that you are, oh. yours are the hands. There's a there's a song or, a, oh. or something. Are you familiar? So when we do the kindness, that is Christ coming to earth. You know, we do that on his behalf.
0: Yeah, yeah. okay. And you know how at the end of comedy shows, they do a lot of callbacks where they, they bring up jokes that they had earlier and that's so clever that it's tied together. I think there's some callbacks happening here because this, like, is Jesus coming again? Well, he's coming inside. Isn't it just about, just like, we were saying when will we meet god and in some ways yeah we're looking to, to meet the person but in other ways we're saying look you can really meet god through the the people that are becoming more and more of a direct window for god these celestial angels that you're talking about and isn't that just like the question we had near the beginning about people in the spiritual world being can they see us and we're saying well they can maybe even do mm. something better than see us which is that they're connected to us in spirit, you know, they're sharing feelings and we're talking about the the spirits in the feeling of gardening and, and they're hooked into that It seems like it's all kind of just these are just rays coming out of the same central Principle of how things work and that principle leads to all these really satisfying Outcomes so it's kind of cool to see it tied together like that because we didn't plan these questions or plant them But it seems to be the way that the world works according to Swedenborg mm-hmm. Yes yeah. Bravo So guys, we are one minute left. Let's do one more.
4: All right. Last question.
0: This is Pamela Collins who asks, do we have a guide or guardian angel that stays with us our whole life? Sweet Morgan asserts that there are always angels with us. You think it's the same one or do you think they change?
4: Well, the angels certainly change, but I don't think that necessarily means that some of the angels don't stay the same, but that we do go through, again, it's that levels of perception kind of a thing where we're removed from certain angels, but that's only because our, awareness needs to sort of shift down into more and more earthly levels so that we can develop as the human being that we need to on earth. Um, but those connections are still there. Um, I think. And so, uh, so I, I would say, yes, we probably do have a lot that stay the same. Um, but whether or not they're the closest in proximity to us or the most inner, you know, interacting with our thoughts all the time, um, that, could be shifting around.
3: Yeah, I,
1: wonder, I had a, go ahead.
3: I was just wondering, go ahead, harking back to another question, if if the angels that are connected with our deepest levels are the ones that stay the same, because that's sort of our main purpose or whatever, and then- yeah, our
4: core self or something.
3: Yeah, or and the ones that are on our more outer levels that are kind of shifting and, and uh, moving around as we go, maybe those angels change.
1: I, a friend of mine had a near-death experience, and he said that he he had forgotten, but he, he remembered uh, these people from his childhood when, when he saw them in the afterlife. Like, oh, yeah, you, mm-hmm. you guys have been with me all cool. the way along. Yeah. Yeah,
3: so cool. <laughs> That's, awesome.
2: That's cool. A nice idea. It's interesting that we're all ter- talking in terms of plurality, um, it, talking about angels with us the question asked about one guardian a a guide or angel and that is the word the what seems to get um shown in the world is that you have one angel like sitting on your shoulder or the disney movies who have some little sidekick or something that's always around for your whole life but Swedenborg talks about associate spirits or or i think he uses the number two somewhere in there doesn't he two two angels and two Right. It, it does feel more more plural, more like a group effort to me than just one guardian angel, the way the Swedenborg talks about it.
0: Takes a village the person. Yeah, takes a village. Takes
3: a village. We're
0: we're a little over time, which of course is great because we we you know we're so grateful for the support you've all given us. Thanks to everybody. I just wanna say that by the end. We, yeah, we raised this entire chart, which means in the end, we raised $587 from your generous contributions, matched with the $500,087 from 14 donors going into taking these ideas and putting them out into the world. Thank you, wow. everybody. Thank
4: you. Real applause this time. <laughs> that's not
0: yeah, that's right. Thank you, and, and we love you, and that heart is for you. Uh, so thinking about going forward and and what what kind of programming that's supporting our next episode coming up uh, next Monday is called Our Bodies Connect to God's Design of the Universe. This is a continuation of our Divine Design series, which has been a really exciting one to put on and a really cool concept to get to dig into. So you can look forward to that as well as News from Heaven, short clips, all our usual programming. Thanks so much for supporting us. And hey, as we said... You know, there's the pandemic Pandemic is going on. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world. And tomorrow is what's called Giving Tuesday Now. Well, you know how there's Giving Tuesday and they, they want to put another one in here to say, look, there's a lot of organizations that need your help. We're not running a campaign for Giving Tuesday Now because we want people to focus on, you know, the organizations that are getting people the supplies and the things that they need for the very real problems we're facing in this world. So tomorrow, think about those organizations and, and making a, a contribution and pitch in to, to help people in need. So... Thanks to everybody here on the panel. It's been a joy having y'all, um, real fun. Yeah, very, very fun. Thanks so
4: much. Very fun.
0: And uh, all of you, of course, we can't say thanks enough for for being uh, the, the way that this all happens and your interest and attention and, and support means everything to us. And we'll see you very soon uh, in the next program.
3: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.